ladies and germs. We are in Casa El Hambon. It's where I live. We are in the home studio of the great one, the Haminator, and we are ready to do another episode of My Thai Happy Hour. Hambone, what do we have in store for the kids today? So today, for the people listening at home, we have a great show for everybody. We're going to talk about Glow, Season 3, out now on Netflix. We're going to talk about the Stray Cats, which you actually got to see the other night, the Lost River Tiki Bar, which you actually got to go to in person, and I went on a a wrestling adventure in New York City. Ooh, wrestling adventure. It was very exciting. And you had Don Becker with you. And I had Don Becker in tow. So the two of you were probably just starting chants all night. There was a lot of chants, man. Not going to lie. A lot of chants. So many chants. There's just something wonderful about going to wrestling with Don Becker. You know, there really is. Our friend Don Becker is probably, if not the greatest, heel chanter on the face of the planet. It's he, weird. It's like it's mutant power. He, it's his special power. He gets it going, and he gets it started right every time. I am excited this week to talk about Glow, because no one knew it was coming back. But first, I think we need a cocktail from the great one himself. Hambone, give it to me. Well, here's the thing. The wrestling event that I went to was the Young Bucks' last wrestling event on the Indies. So I thought, in honor of the Young Bucks, I would do a... Shirley Temple style drink because the Young Bucks don't drink. However, this is my Thai happy hour and we do. So we're going to jazz it up with some alcohol. So this is the Red Stag Dirty Shirley. So does this also work interchangeably with the Kenny Rogers? Uh, it is. You mean the Arnold Palmer? No, the Kenny Rogers. Oh, yes. The Kenny Rogers. You are correct. Uh, yes, it does. However, this one's a little bit different. This is your normal Shirley Temple recipe. So it's going to be a half ounce of grenadine. And five ounces of seven up in a glass filled with ice. Simple, right? Obviously, you're going to want to garnish it with maraschino cherries because everyone who drinks a Shirley Temple knows it's better with actual cherries inside mm-hmm. of it. Now, that said, we're going to spike it because this is my Thai happy hour. So, we're going to add an ounce and a half of Red Stag Black Cherry Bourbon. So, this is going to be a black cherry alcoholic Shirley Temple. And the way to finish it off is just with a little bit of a splash of Marchino cherry juice. So this is the Red Stag Dry Shirley. A virgin, if you're going to be making it for the Young Bucks, Red Stag for everybody else. That's our drink. Do you know what a Roy Rogers is? It is essentially a Shirley Temple. But? But it's made with uh, Coca-Cola instead of the Sprite, right? Boom! So uh, the... The stay there headphones. I cannot do that with the cold, the weirdness in my head. It's fine. It's you know, it's different in Hambone's room. It is. Um, I there's no bamboo when I am at shooting weddings. I need my sugar to be like up here. Oh, like yeah. it needs to be as high as humanly possible, as intense as possible. So I go cherry coke. The thing is, there's no cherry coke at weddings, there's no, like sir. nowhere. You can find a cherry Coke, so you have to trust that the bartender will know how to make one with a certain amount of grenadine so it doesn't taste like medicine. And, and that and is a tough. tricky, it's tricky tough. thing. It's tough. Well, one guy goes, uh, so you want a Roy Rogers? And I'm like, what is a Roy Rogers? I knew what a Shirley <laughs> Temple was. It was Roy Rogers. So then I became a dick and went to every wedding I shot and just said, I want a Roy Rogers and saw if they got it. Most did, most didn't. If I say cherry Coke, they also look at me like I'm crazy. But all that matters is there's if there's actual maraschino cherries in there yeah. to then get by stabbing 
with the cocktail straw because that's the delicious. only way that works and fun because you get stab stuff only way that works legally i i am uh that's the only thing i think i miss from shooting weddings is all the cherry cokes i used to drink it's true and uh everybody was like why don't you drink alcohol i'm like no because that's all i need is one mother of the groom or someone to see me drinking i'm like nope Nope, Roy Rogers, all fucking day, Hambone. That's going to be a no for me, dog. So let's talk about Glow. So I actually had this discussion uh, last night. We were watching the uh, SummerSlam pay-per-view, and your wife and I were talking about how Netflix does this kind of weird thing where unless you're actually watching Netflix, you don't actually know when things are coming out on Netflix. Like They do kind of a terrible job, for the most part, of letting you know what shows are going to be out on their channel like stranger things okay that was everywhere but glow i didn't even know glow season three was coming out like i knew it was being made but all of a sudden they're like oh hey guys happy friday glow's here we're like what i found out about it just by simply i went to netflix to see if anything was on before i watched something off plex and it was there it was the top thing and i'm like why has nobody talked about it and it it, it is season three just started this friday yeah, it's kind of hard to get something trending on Twitter if you don't tell anybody about it. That's what b- blows my mind. I think that's the struggle Netflix has had is just the the lack of promotion for some of the good stuff they had to dig for. I'm, yep. I'm right now watching this show. I think it's called Blackout. Uh, it could be wrong. It could be Blanket. Uh, no, it's Blackout. And it's this French, weird, twisted TV show about these tree creatures that are kidnapping people. They live in caves. kind of like spelunking. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. But I only knew about it because I was like, hey, let me watch the weird trailer. And Netflix has horrible trailers. Oh, they're terrible clear, trailers. The trailers aren't even trailers half the time. It's just the, the pre-roll to some bullshit. I don't get it at all. Or they just start rolling the actual show itself, and you're like, am I watching the show? It's, I, it's I so feel like bad. they're just doing a full scene and not giving me a trailer. Yeah, that kind of sucks. It really sucks. And, and you know, it's sometimes I really then have to go to AV Club and see there's reviews, but usually the reviewers don't know the thing exists either, so there's no reviews. Like Dark. Dark's my favorite show on Netflix. You don't know it exists because no one knows it exists. And I think they're at a point now where they're putting out so much content, it's hard to hype anything. Because I knew Dark was coming out, the original uh, season one of Dark, when it came out, because they were hyping it, and there was a lot of things going on. But now they're churning out so much original product that it's just hard to keep up. It's so tough. But Glow is out. Glow's back. For those that don't know, it's kind of loosely based on the story of the glorious ladies of wrestling. This amazing 80s all-female wrestling show that was more kitchen camp than WWE and Hulkamania. Uh, I watched it at my grandmother's house all the time because I think it aired before WWE Superstars or afterwards. And uh, it, it follows the story of the really attractive girl from Mad Men. Um, yes. Uh, and, and then it's a bunch of other people and Mark Marrow. Yeah, Mark Maron. Nah, whatever. It's a very different kind of party than Mark ah, Maron. They were both once married to Sable, I hear. Whoa, really? No. Oh, no, that's wow. A complete lie. You know that's, I'm gullible. That's a complete lie. That's a complete lie. Uh, so I watched the first five episodes and uh, really enjoyed it. But the biggest complaint I had was that there's not enough wrestling. I agree with you wholeheartedly because that was the one thing that I thought they did much better in season two that mm-hmm. they failed at in season three. There was hardly any wrestling. You finished it. Now, you've binged the whole thing. Come on, We don't son. want to ruin it for people, so we won't destroy the plot points. But this is largely about the the lives of these women who are forced into this limelight in a in a weird, 
wrestling organization. None of them are wrestlers. I think there's maybe one of them that's actually into professional wrestling. And it's just trying to see how they interact with their lives outside the ring. The problem is, is so much of what they're doing is based on what was done in the ring. And I felt like the art of wrestling was lacking, at least in the first five episodes. Uh, it doesn't get better. Uh, there, There is one episode at the very end. I think it's episode 10 where you actually, they actually do wrestling. And it's a shame because that's something that I think really was a shining point of season two was that you actually got to see them really hustling and trying to get it together to actually do a really good wrestling show. Now, granted, obviously, this is season three. They switched locations from California to Las Vegas. There's a lot of things happening behind the scenes. And that being said, they could have just used a little more wrestling. A little more wrestling. I just mean, a scoach. And I'm not just saying that as a wrestling fan. I'm saying that as someone who enjoyed the science behind wrestling that they really, really elaborated on in last season when they gave... Come on, what's her name? You don't remember her name. Don't remember her the name. The girl from Mad Men. I never watched Mad Why? Men. Oh, the main female character. The with blonde. The, the brunette. Oh, Alison Brie. Yes. Community. I saw her on Community. Uh, well, That's she, where I fell in love with her. She is the one who becomes a producer in the second season. Yeah. Really creates this arc to this wrestling storyline. And in this one, it's just kind of cringy from the beginning when she's like a little too close to Mark Moran. I, I get a little creeped out by that. Do you get a little creeped out by that? I get a little creeped out by how you mispronounce his name. But Moran? How do you say it? Is it like Mar- Marin. Marin. Yeah, Mark Marin. Mark Marin. Yeah, he looks like Stan Lee in this. He does. He now, does. It looks a lot like him. Quick little sidebar. If they ever did cast a, bio, a biopic about Stan Lee, Mark Marin. Okay, okay. Um, any uh, superstars in the future episodes? Any WWE superstars? Any wrestling superstars? Nope. It's funny because this one actually has Gina Davis in it as a, a new role. Yes. But no, And they, they got the star power up with that, but they didn't actually bring in any actual wrestlers and that's probably because there's hardly any wrestling in this season so you're getting that straight what is good about this season what's good about the season is that for an ensemble show they do a great job with giving everyone their time to shine and of course because it does take this is now the third season some people don't always get as much time or you don't really see much of their arc being addressed. However, they always find a way to keep you interested in all the characters. And also they do a pretty cool thing where certain characters are very specific to the season. And once their role has been played, they don't do the thing where they feel like they need to address and finish that story. Cause it's just kind of like, Oh, you needed to get me to here. Now I'm here. We don't need to see this character again. And I appreciate that because it really does keep it all killer. No filler. Do you think it also means that you're just not good at writing an ensemble cast? No, I think they do a great job of writing an ensemble cast. I think that they realize that the audience is smart enough that they don't need to see a blow off of a character. Because the action that occurs is the blow off. You don't need to see you know, what happens after the fact. Because you know the person is going to be pissed about whatever. Because unless the actual blow off is happening in the ring between two fighters, you don't need to see it on screen. Mm-hmm. So I think they do a good job with that. The writing is stellar. The show is great. It, they just forgot to wrestle in the season. Is there any chance that this is going to be the last season? So I don't know. Because Netflix has this real big habit right now where they're like, you know what we should do? We should just cancel every series after season three. Like, you get three seasons to tell your complete story, and then we're out. Because they realize that once they pass season three, the new contracts that they're going to have to negotiate, the cost of doing business for the show is going to go up, up, and up. And there's always a diminishing return on investments, unless you're Stranger Things. Uh, I Now, I don't think we ever talked about it, but were you sad about Santa Clarita Diet? Oh, Absolutely. 
I was like, ah, I want. I, you know what? That's a show that should have won five seasons. That's Easy. A, that's a show that didn't get a finish. No, they gave it a finish, and for those listening at home, doing air quotes right now, but it wasn't really a finish. What was it? It was. I it mean, was like, oh, here we are. This is going to happen. So I have that problem. I have that disease where if I find out a show is being canceled, I, I I don't feel comfortable finishing the season. Yeah. Like I don't have. I only have so much time, and if it's not a real ending. I can't do it. I can't be all in. Well, why would you invest that many hours of your life in something that you know is going to let you down ultimately? That's why it boggled my mind that they were announcing the cancellation of the Marvel stuff as they were launching the new seasons. Oh, yeah. It was very strange. And it's funny because once they did that, they realized that they didn't. They waited until after the Santa Clarita Diet aired to tell people that it was canceled. Same with the OA. They just announced that was canceled this week. Well, that's no now, big loss. I, I haven't seen the second season. There are people who love the show. But it's just, it's very strange. I, I can't quite figure this out. It's hard to really come back when your season one finale is all about a mass shooting that gets stopped by interpretive dancing because there's so many mass shootings that happen in this country every single day. And I'm not trying to get political, but it's just a little too soon. I mean, maybe they should try some interpretive dancing. I don't know. You know, less guns, more modern dancing. That's the move here. I think that's the move. Hey, Hambone, people out there really want to see a Haminator uh, <laughs> short film. Uh, I was thinking uh. maybe Comic Con, <laughs> maybe Comic Con. Your hair, my hair's great. Kinda new... looks Arnie. I got new hair product. That I'm very happy with. But I think you could do Arnold Schwarzenegger. Do you want to cosplay as Arnie for for uh, for Comic Con for New York Comic Con? I feel like I might have to, and it's cool because it's not that hot of an outfit. I'll write the story. Um, I will try to find the weird effect that does your like eyeball like. Oh my god. You know, is he armed? Show we exterminate, terminate. You know, and then we gotta do some like makeup to you. But all you really need is like a leather jacket and and I don't know jeans. There's not much to it. You already look like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, shorter, fatter, better hair, but yes, the Haminator version. The Haminator version. Haminator version. I'm 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 thinking we do it. I think we owe it to the fans out there. Which, by the way, we love all the comments and letters and everything. You guys, got thanks this week. so much. It's crazy, crazy the amount of people that have actually written to us in the last couple of weeks about just watching our show and listening to us. We appreciate it. We're only not live this week because Hambone is, uh, his esophagus isn't big enough yet. It's so, still being stretched. Fun story. I have my esophagus stretched out and everything's going down pretty smooth except for steak. And I made the mistake of having steak for dinner tonight. So I've got a piece of meat lodged in my esophagus currently and I will be intermittently stopping this episode to run off to the bathroom and throw up. This is different than the usual meat he has rammed down his esophagus. Hey, you opened yourself up to that so George. bad. So bad. You know, meat getting rammed down your throat is a joke that was like... Two years ago, but you opened the door and I, I, I had to shut it. I did. I had to shut to it. Yeah. Do you know whose door is being shut right now? Pretty ugly. Who? Loot Crate. Have oh, you read anything about what's shit. going on? It, you did this. This is all you. You you slammed them. You tormented them so hard that uh, they are Chapter 11 and being bought out. I mean, I want to be sad because Loot Crate was the first real geek crate that caught on and it got me addicted to boxes for a while it certainly did i believe our first season like we were just boxes all the time well you had you had birch box you had loot crate you had the oh, funko oh, crate we had funko we had the marvel one we had the star wars one we yeah. had the everything i the only one i still have is the um vinyl me please which i find is just i, I love for just the artistic merit of like you know the greatness that is music but so loot crate 
Ah, this was nuts. I knew it was going to happen. Just so you know, just get you up to speed a little bit, Hambone. Do tell. I canceled the Fallout crate. Right. But the Fallout crates are so behind that my last box isn't coming till like October. Still? And then my Rick and Morty crate, which you remember I signed up for. You were so excited about it. I just wanted the one first box so we can review it and have fun with it. And it's Rick and Morty. So even if it's a shirt, it's fine. So I got that. I've gotten delays indefinite. Just keep delays. It was supposed to be out in July. Now, a lot of people have been saying that Loot Crate is basically a Ponzi scheme. Like, they just they sell boxes for the future to buy the shit they need today. And they, their vendors suck, which is why they don't have all the stuff to ship stuff out on time. It's just like they need to put out more and more uh, boxes, like the Harry Potter one that's supposed to be coming out, to get a bunch of people to subscribe so they can get the money to actually buy the shit for the box. And that's their that's their business model's been for the last like year or two since it's a they, terrible business they model. They went crazy. They expanded way too far. Their overstock in their warehouse was insane. From what I hear, I don't know any of this personally, but uh, two days ago they fired forty people. No, uh, no extra money. What do you call it? No uh, severance. No severance. No nothing. Just laid them off and and it just and then announced today that they are being bought out by a new company being formed called like Loot Crate Bought Out LLC or something like that. And that doesn't sound suspicious at all. And they are, it's, it's a money. I think the company's name is money trove or money crate or something like it's being bought by a company that literally just buys people out. Supposedly they're giving them enough liquid funds, like $10 million to be able to put out the rest of the boxes. But let me tell you the amount of people that called up for reimbursements today and refunds was insane. So I don't even know if they're gonna be able to survive this, but they claim this is gonna give them enough. The chapter 11 is only being done so they can sell the company and everything will turn out hunky dory. I don't see how it is. Look, I have enough scratch. If I lost 40 bucks on the Rick and Morty crate, I'm not complaining. I still want to see if it ever comes. So I'm not going to go for the refund. My fallout crate is whatever, like that'll come whatever. Yeah. If it ever comes, but um, uh, the Rick and Morty, I'll cancel after the first box, depending on what happens there. It's just kind of sad. I hear Geek Crate or Geek whatever. There was a Geek version that also failed. And, and that one, it was very hard for them to get their final boxes. And I believe the owner did right by everyone and either refunded or put together boxes for the people that couldn't. He did something right for everybody. Right. I don't know if Loot Crate is the same way, considering they don't even know how to respond. Their customer service is awful. Like, absolutely awful. Oh, it was. Remember, it took me like four tries to cancel my Loot Crate like many, many years ago. They made it a little easier to cancel. They made it a lot easier to cancel. They made it harder to get a refund. So if you bought a year, a box, a year in advance. Right. Like, you know, six boxes for the year, whatever it is, 12. You are, that's where it's harder to get your money back because you paid in advance. That's where the Ponzi Ponzi scheme side that's come to play. I'm rambling. I'm high. I'm hot right now. Yeah. I'm so hot on this. Yeah, it sucks. You know, I feel the worst for the people who got laid off because obviously they didn't see it coming and then suddenly uh, like well, uh, I read I read some of their tweets. They I mean, they were just hopeful. They bought into this whole like geeks for geeks like the mentality behind the company was not a bad mentality and the people working there did believe in it. But it's very hard to not see the writing on the wall when every box for the last two years has been extremely delayed. Yeah, it just it's not a it's not a good business model at all. It's, it's not like, a good look. Could you imagine like, oh man, I got you a year of loot crate for Christmas, and then like by the next Christmas you're still waiting on like half the boxes. It, it's sad. It's really sad. And I guess there's that. I, I mean, that whole box market. If you, I don't know. I think people just got greedy very quickly. Well, there's too many boxes. 
there the was, licenses. Yeah, there, there was nothing special about Loot Crate once like Funko started doing their box. And then everyone else started doing their boxes. But Funko's box went to shit too. They were smart enough though to outsource everything to Amazon. Right. But then they got rid of the heart of them, which was comic books. Yep. You know, the pins, the fun stuff, the little things that added the love to the box. Yeah, it just got too big too fast. Funko's a whole different story. Funko's a weird situation because they... um. You know, they have so many licenses. Yeah. And they call things limited, but nobody really knows how limited. Nothing's ever like one of a hundred or one of no. two fifty. So people wonder where Funko's actually making their money from because they got paid for these licenses and they make so many fucking toys for every little license. Do, do enough people buy those? I'd love to see what their warehouse looks like, but people have wondered. That's why their stock has been a little wonky. Yeah, I mean <laughs> I have like a bunch of pops but there's only so many pops you could have before your entire collection and your entire wall in your house is pops the thing is pops are priced perfectly they're 9.99 yeah they're a decent size they bring back the nostalgia of your life and you do want to buy them i get the it's not an addiction it's just when i see it, it's easy to buy if i go to a comic book shop and they don't have a comic book i want we got a lot of sidebars today just it's be fun. ready this I'm is gonna be one it. of those episodes when you go to a comic book shop and you you feel bad, you don't want to buy a comic, there's nothing, you don't really want all the trade paperbacks they have, what do you buy? Buy pop. You buy a pop. You see 10 bucks. I used to be that way when I used to go to Let It Rock when I was a kid. I was afraid to like not buy something after going in. Yeah, you feel guilty going into mom and pop place not buying nothing. But back then there were seven inches. So you yeah. could drop three ninety nine and get the five songs or whatever it is and call it a day. Now it's a pop. It's a pop. So that's what it is. Which leads me to my third tangent. Tangents. Third tangent. Fucking House of X sold out everywhere. Dude, I tried to get you a copy today. Number two. Like, there, no, I, when I said yesterday, I tried everywhere. I mean, I tried everywhere in northern New Jersey. Yeah. It doesn't exist. House of X number two sold out like this. Um, obviously, it's a little harder for me to get out and buy comic books. Last Sunday, I went and got Power of X number one, which is weird. So maybe that's why people didn't. Ru- that one was still on the shelves when I went. Right. House of X gone. It's being called the best X Men story in twenty years. Uh, I believe it by the sales. So hopefully, it's selling out. We'll get a second print. We'll see if I can get that. Now I'm going to have to go on Wednesdays and get comic books. Marvel will make a second print. If it sold out that way, Marvel will totally make a second print. What, what, what was the last comic book that sold out like that? A major man, like major publisher. I can't even remember. It's funny because Ian and I, my sidebar, went to our friend Ian, who was on the show recently. They did a midnight release of Absolute Carnage or whatever the new Carnage story is at like Zap Comics. And he's like, you want to go? I want to go get the new House of X issue too, because like if you go, the you know everything's on the wall for tomorrow already. I can actually get the book early. And I was like, yeah, I got nothing going on. We'll take a ride up there. And like, yeah, there were people there to buy the Carnage book, but man, people were buying other shit. People were buying their books like a day early, which is a good move. I mean, and that House of X was flying off the shelves. Crazy, crazy. I recommend. Well, obviously, I recommend you wait till the trade paperback. Yeah. Um, I got that one issue, Sasha. Thank you very much for sucking me into this world. But I uh, ended up getting that first issue. Now I'm like, I got I to gotta collect them now. Do you know what else I'm really a big fan of right now? What? X-Men Second Genesis. Have you heard about those? No. I'm not prepared to talk about it. This might have to get a whole segment next episode. But there is an artist right now who is doing oversized trade paperbacks and, and regular size issues. Oh, Ed Pisker. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I, it's called the Grand Design. Grand Design. Yeah. 
I think it was Grand Design, then Second Genesis, and now Extinction. Yeah, they're on Extinction as the final one. Oh my god, Hambone. They're amazing looking. It is so good. I bought the first two trades, and I bought Extension, Extinction Industry 1, and I haven't bought, I don't know if Issue 2's out yet, but it is amazing. I wish he would actually go more into the... De- so what he does is he takes... The 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 uh, the stories from the, from the beginning, the stories of the X Men, and retells them like re kind of constrains them into this capsulated version, but done with like yellowed paper and old timey like imagery. Yeah. It, it's beautiful. It's it, it's I guess retro is what you would call it, but so well done. Yeah, and and uh, just every book gets better and better. Every story is like if you watch the recap of the previous season of the show that you're watching and that you kind of see the whole story in the matter of like two minutes except it's done very very well and you actually do get like every major of x-men story that's happened since the beginning of the x-men and he does it in one book up oh. like for like every it's like you know 10 or 15 years with the stories in a book then another 10 or 15 years then like another 10 or 15 years like it's great all right we'll talk about this next week when we actually can show the issues in on the uh on in hd in all its glory What's the next real topic we have? Well, the next real topic that we have is you went to a fun tiki bar. No, I think the Stray Cats. Oh, I, can do the t- I can do the tiki bar next. Do tiki bar. So I went to Detroit. Uh, did I tell my story? No, I don't think I've seen you in a while. We didn't do an episode last week because of Unpacked and my, you know, I lost my mind trying to get that new, you know, make everything happen on the Verizon side of the Galaxy Note 10. Making magic. Plus 5G. And everybody should go out there and buy it because it's an awesome phone. But cheap plug aside... I somehow found a way to go to three concerts in the last like two weeks. You're a monster. Saw Iron Maiden, uh, saw Bad Religion, but I saw Stray Cats. The Stray Cats were the last band on my Holy Grail list. That's it? You're done? It's done. It's done. Shit. From bands that are alive yeah. or bands that, I mean, look, I'd love it the Dead Kennedys got back together again, but Joel Biafra with his side project band are just as good as the Dead Kennedys, so I don't yeah. care that much. You know, the Clash are dead, the Ramones are dead. I've seen both, pretty much a variation of both. I'm good. I've now seen every concert I want to see. Stray Cats played Pier 17, uh, right. South Street Seaport. I've never been there before. It's amazing. It's really nice. The sound is spectacular considering it's open air. Uh, but you're outside. The place holds thousands of people. You know me. I got there right up front. Yes, you did. And and got to see Brian Setzer, Lee Rocker, and Slim Jim Phantom knock it out of the park. I have wanted to see the Stray Cats forever. The Stray Cats are what got me into rockabilly. Problem is, for the last like two decades or so, Brian Setzer realizes cash in him doing his uh, Brian Setzer Orchestra yeah. and doing his annual Christmas show and playing theaters. We went and saw it. It was tremendous, but it's still not the same as seeing the Stray Cats. No, because you're you know, you're going to hear Stray Cats songs, but you're hearing them from like a full like big band. It's yeah. not the same as just. Brian Setzer's also done fantastic uh, side projects, uh, which were very Stray Cats inspired, very Rockabilly, uh, the Rockabilly Riot album. There's a few others, uh, but this was the Stray Cats. The last time I remember the Stray Cats playing in America that wasn't like Viva Las Vegas or something, he toured with Tom Petty. And it was, uh, I forgot what album was, but I didn't really want to see Tom Petty to go see the Stray Cats. And they just don't play. And it's very strange because they all play a part. They seem to all be friends, but they just won't do it. I think it just doesn't do as well as what Brian does with his Christmas special. But they did it. They rocked. I mean, they are older, but much like Iron Maiden when we saw them two weeks ago, like they had it. His voice has not changed. They played like Bat Out of Hells, Bats Out of Hell. It was so good. 
I enjoyed it. The set was minimalist. It had this big Stray Cats sign behind them, but it was the perfect environment. And just to be outside, under the stars, cool breeze, Stray Cats playing, hour and a half solid, all the hits. It was amazing. Any opener? Uh, there was an opener. I did not know who they were. Right. Uh, they were fine. It was a rockabilly. It was a, a more mellow rockabilly group. It was fine. But um, I was there for the Stray Cats, and and they delivered. And now I just don't know what to do with myself. Do you go to any more concerts? Or are you I done? don't know. Do I call it no? Because I still like taking photos. It's true. So I think that's where I'm at now. I think I now go back through my list and and photograph everybody. But that's a lot harder considering I am not a professional photographer anymore. Sort I don't of. Know. Not really, but you, know, you, know. you don't ever really hang up your boots, you know. Exactly, exactly. So, really enjoyed it. Really recommend it. I uh, don't know if Stray Cats are your taste, but it was good to see that, especially knowing how many of these bands are getting up in age. Which leads me to sidebar. This is the George Show in Hambone's cool. basement. It's happening in Hambone's it's basement. Now. We're here. The uh, the gold the gold fabulous one, the uh, Semitic Messiah, the um, well, I mean, nicknames we have for the most gorgeous man in the world. He's our best looking friend. Josh Goldfarb called me up out of the blue. Was like you want to go see Bad Religion? I wanted to see Bad Religion, but their Webster Hall show sold out like this. Of course. And uh, the Brooklyn show is the same day as my niece's birthday, so I was actually considering getting tickets to see them in Philly, but the Philly show is like a Tuesday. None of that works nicely in the schedule that is George's life right now. It's pretty hectic, yo. So I went and saw Bad Religion in Webster Hall. The new Webster Hall is largely the same as the old Webster Hall, but there's a nice glossy coat of paint. And now the entrance is a different way. Yeah, that's one of the things that I've always wondered about Webster Hall. They never really had an easy way to get in and out of it. Instead of going straight up and up and up as you go straight in, you now kind of go up and around and bank around, much like Irving Plaza. Right. And to get in, you get into it that way. Uh, it was fine. I don't know if they did anything to improve the Sonics. It sounded okay. I was wearing earplugs. It was loud. But Bad Religion, great set. Uh, I think they have a new drummer from the last time I saw him live. Since Brooks left the band, I could be wrong, but this guy was incredible. The band looked like they were having the time of their life. That's amazing. Which is, I guess, what happens when you stop drinking. Yeah. Uh, maybe, sure. I don't know, but they just seemed happy on stage. They played an hour and a half, played some great stuff. They played the dichotomy off of Into the Unknown. No. So weird. So weird. A lot of people just thought it was a new song or something. That's like such an obscure B-side that so, I would not be surprised if people thought it was new. That was, it was like, I've seen them Billy, do Billy Nossus before. I've never seen them do the dichotomy. I thought chasing the wild goose, maybe. Nope. The dichotomy. Dichotomy. Something like that. Sure. So weird. They did the new stuff. They did uh, Chaos from Within. They did uh, the End of History. They did all the great stuff off the new album. Did the hits. They did. Get this, Hambone. Ready. Ready for it. Ready. They did no control from start to end of side A. And then wow. next night in Brooklyn, they did side B. Jesus. Which is crazy. That's fun. It is really crazy. I was live streaming. And people were like, wait, they're doing old stuff. Oh, they're doing old good stuff. Wait, wait. They're do like, no, they're doing no control. Awesome show. Highly recommend it. The Philly one still hasn't happened yet. So if you want to go, I highly recommend it. Very strange thing at the end. Jay Bentley, like in the band, after Greg Graffin walked off stage, the rest of the band pre proceeded to play this like rock and roll song for a couple minutes. And then Jay Bentley gave this impassioned speech about how much the fans mean to them. And it sounded very much like a breakup. This is our last tour speech. But there's been no signs of that. So I'm not sure yeah. I understand what exactly is going on there. No one really retires. Nobody really retires. Not I can't anymore. see Jay Bentley quitting Bad Religion. Neither can I. Or even taking a sabbatical. Nope. For that matter, I honestly don't see Bad Religion ever breaking up. But if they do, 
I actually, I don't know if I talked to Josh about this or someone else. I could see Bad Religion replacing all the original members and no one knowing. Because the songs are so much more than the sum of the band. I think they're probably one of the only bands out there that could do that. I mean, Greg Raffin would be tough. But I could see them getting kissed. They totally get kissed. I don't know. That's crazy because they're not big enough to do that. But I could, I don't know. I no, just, but that's exactly why it works. Yeah. Because they're yeah. so under the radar. I, when I interviewed Jay Bentley one time, he did make the line, every single one of us are replaceable. Because we talk about Mr. Brett had just left the band. He's like, every one of us is replaceable. Brett can go, anyone can go, except for maybe Greg. I mean, I could be replaced like in a week. Nobody would ever notice. But now Jay's like the heart of the band. It's so cute. Yeah. Or maybe he's the last one to stay. Oh. So went to Detroit. Yes, you did. While in Detroit, I found a tiki bar. Of course you did. Lost River. It's in the, uh, I guess, the uh, up-and-coming part of town. Uh, Detroit is a weird city. Have you ever been? I have. I got stuck there a week before you did. Did you have a car? Did you get to drive around Detroit? I did. I didn't really go downtown too much. I was kind of on the outskirts when it was kind of all right with that. Detroit's weird. Detroit is like this rich center, this like this epicenter that's like money. And I heard it used to be in bad shape, but it's, it's definitely cleaned up. It's really nice. This is just wealthy business district it's surrounded by like eight or nine rings of despair and blight and sadness yeah tracks unlike new jersey where we have built our highways so when you go through the sad areas there are giant walls so you can see, can't see the sadness yeah in detroit you have to see the sadness so you can remember that it exists as you make your way to your rich upper middle class homes outside the eight rings of sadness it's a lot like atlantic city yeah, I would agree with that, without the beach. Like, none of the money goes back into, like, the community at all. Very, very strange. But anyway, I got to go to Lost River. It is a very modern-ish, modern-ish tiki bar. Uh, it is, it's, the walls are, like, black, like, almost like chalk effect on it. Like, the palm tree and everything, it's, like, almost done in a almost chalk-type painting. Oh, cool. It's got a, a, enough bamboo to be dangerous and enough tiki stuff to be tiki, but it's it's still definitely more of a, a fun modern type bar. Definitely not like Polynesian. Right. More of a just like a stripped down tiki bar where you get a good vibe. The drinks were great. That's important. I had a, a mai tai and uh, I think a Polynesian paralysis. But very very good. Really enjoy it. Really recommend it for people who think there's no tiki in Detroit. There is. There's Lost River. There's one other place called Muni's Bay. I didn't get out to. I hear it's own it's pseudo tiki. I'll try to get there if I ever go there again. But Lost River, definitely worth it. They don't have their own mug, but the bartender was fantastic. Everyone was great. They have a, in the back, they have a nice collection of tiki mugs. So you can see some of their, they obviously love the tiki world. And I think a city like, like Detroit needs tiki. Oh, I think every city needs tiki. An escape from reality, an escape from this world to just like veg out, have a cocktail and just not think about your tough life or your tough job or whatever. Did you see what Applebee's trying to pull right now? One dollar tiki drinks. Uh uh-uh. uh. One dollar Mai Tai. They said Mai Tai. With I know if it was Mai Tai. Specifically called drinks. it a Mai Tai with a nice mix of pineapple juice, orange juice, and passion fruit. And I'm uh, like, uh, that's not a Mai Tai. Nobody, nobody should. Be, first of all, Applebee's needs to just end. Do you know that uh, on the same token, the Olive Gardens now, if you pay $444, you get Lifetime Olive Garden. A word? I would do that. Really? Yeah, I travel a lot, oh, and there's an Olive Garden in every town. Olive Garden, though, is like so heavy. Their food is Bro, so heavy. Bro, that salad is dope. That salad and, the, yeah, but if you just went based on the salad and the garlic sticks, 
you would not you it wouldn't be worth the four hundred and forty four dollars. Agree to disagree. But, uh, they got like great little chicken farms. I didn't know you were such a fan of Olive Garden. Neither did I, but like I'm out of town. I'm like, ah, you know, I was like, I kinda wanna eat something like decent, but I don't wanna go to like a chain restaurant, but I really don't have many options here. And of course, you know, Italian in the Midwest. Just don't do it. I was like, oh, the Olive Garden. I'll get a salad. I'm like, this is actually delightful. Maybe because I've never really spent much time in the Midwest when I am like, no, I'm more south. So even like uh, yeah. Nashville or something, that's south. I, I don't know what that's like, but I always considered Olive Garden Applebee's to be about the same level. Yeah, they're similar, but different at the same time. Like Olive Garden, actually, you feel like you've had like a meal, like a legitimate meal and not just something that they're just churning and burning out of that Well, kitchen. anyway, $444, limited quantity, lifetime supplies of Olive Garden, lifetime supply of Olive Garden meals. Like, so whatever you want. You just So weird. So weird. So weird. That's, that's all I know. God, what a weird world we live in these days. And, and Lost River in Detroit, definitely check it out. Go have a Mai Tai. If you were like, oh, I, I listen to this show because George and Hambone are geeks and I like this type of stuff or I like punk rock, but I kind of want a tiki drink and I've never had one and you live in the Detroit area, go to Lost River. Enjoy yourself. And if you do end up in Annapolis and get a dollar Mai Tai, let us know how much heartburn you got because let me tell you something. That looks like heartburn in the glass. Hambone doesn't have enough esophagus to get all that Mai Tai down. Yeah, I wish. Nothing feels good these days, buddy. Uh, um, so the last thing is actually a Hambone topic. So one of my favorite pro wrestlers is the Young Bucks, the tag team of the Young Bucks. They have just started All Elite Wrestling. And last Friday was their last night on the indies. There was the night that they were going to go and do one more indie show at House of Glory where they got... You know, one of their first big breaks, they were the House of Glory first tag team champions ever. So they wanted to kind of give it back and say thank you and also put over Private Party, who has also just been signed All Elite Wrestling as well. So it was going to be headlining the show as a tag team. I have never even heard of House of Glory. What are they? Where are they from? What's it based out of? So House of Glory is New York City based. It is a wrestling school, but they also do events. And it was in a place called the New York Arena where you walk inside. It looks kind of like a super disco where they have, it's, it's an event space that holds like a thousand plus people. And you're looking at it, you're like, man, like if you have the right amount of fog in here with all the neon, you could totally see this being in Scarface, but it's in Queens. So kind of like Brooklyn Bazaar. Yes. Very similar, but I think much bigger. Yeah. And Brooklyn Bazaar is, not, yeah, it's a wedding hall. So... We get there, and I go with our friend Don Becker, and the only meet and greet left was Razor Ramon. And walking down the street, while we're waiting online, Don, Don Becker sees uh, Tito Santana. And Tito Santana doesn't age, like, at all. Dude looks great. I didn't even know he was still alive. He's alive, and he looks great. Real talk, I always confused him with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. That's racist. No, it's not. <laughs> I don't think it is. No. I think as a kid, those two were very interchangeable. Yeah, I mean... Although Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is like one significantly of the, better, significantly better, way better. So the event was mostly House of Glory wrestlers. They opened it up with Rich Swan and a six man tag. LAX performed what also might be their last independent date ever there quietly because I don't think they're under contract with Impact anymore. No which, one is. No one is. So which leads me to believe that they might be up in AEW sooner than later. And then you know we got through a few more matches. It was so hot in the place. And then the Young Bucks come out, and the whole place is just... I can only describe the feeling as when you go to see a band, and they play your favorite song, 
but it's everybody in the room's favorite song too. So everyone is just so happy and in that moment, and they put on a hell of a match. You know, sometimes you see people on their last match in the Indies before they go up, they're kind of playing it safe. You're not going to get like the full match that you might have gotten maybe three ones previous. They put on the same caliber of match that you would have seen them putting on at All Out or All In or any of their pay-per-views. It was absolutely amazing. They gave a huge speech at the end. Um, we're getting their asses kicked. The whole locker room kind of cleaned out and was beating them up and beating up Private Party because that's how you get out of House of Glory. It's like they beat them out of the gang. And then Hangman hits the ring and just gives another speech. I mean, he's going to be the first world champion for AW, no so doubt. What a waste. It's not a waste. Hangman what rules. a waste. Hangman is such a waste of talent. You're wrong. It's a waste of humanity. You you are really he wrong. He just likes horses. There's Nate's nothing about mean. him. Nothing other than him. Like, just he's a horse lover. He's not a horse lover. He's a cowboy. It's uh, cowboy I shit. Got, I got nothing. Nothing. Wrong. Other than that moonsault off the balcony at Manhattan Center, he doesn't even have anything in his repertoire. He's got plenty of stuff in his repertoire. Y2J needs that belt. Y2J needs it. He's got nothing else going for him right now. Yeah, why? Why two J needs some like saline and a couple days off the sauce more than anything. But. So this was the last independent show for most of the people who are going to be in the new All Elite Wrestling, which is launching this October. Yeah, October second on, on TNT. TNT. Yes, you know, so they have one more pay per view before that happens, and I was supposed to go, and I am now no longer going because my travel plans, like the card, was subject to change, and we're not going to talk about you it. You are very lucky you didn't buy me a ticket to go. Except then I probably would have made you go still because you would have felt so uh, bad. I, I didn't think that was in the cards, buddy. Yeah, yeah. Anywho, it was awesome. I recommend if you do get the chance to go there, go in the fall because it gets real hot in that room. But uh, New York City Arena, pretty cool. AEW also has announced dates in Boston. TV tapings in Boston. Not tapings, but live TV in Boston. Live TV in, in Boston, Philadelphia. Yeah. Are you going to either of those? No. I'm waiting for New York or That's New Jersey. That's what I'm waiting for. That's I it. Or at least New Jersey. I mean... I- there are plenty of places around here where they could do it. Let's do it in Jersey. Yeah, let's not go out to Philadelphia unless we have to. Especially since they're doing it on Wednesday nights, and that would be a really shitty ride home. Yeah. Uh, anything else in the wrestling world that has excited you? Last night we saw Goldberg uh, redeem himself. I thought SummerSlam, I mean, I know we don't talk much about wrestling as much, but I felt SummerSlam was a solid show from start to finish. Uh, other than Randy Orton versus Kofi, I really, really enjoyed that show. I had a blast. It was good. You know, there was par- problems with the network when I was watching it before we came over to your house. Like It was unwatchable. But A thank- lot of people said that. Thankfully, it was fine when we got to your place. It was a great event. We got to hang out, had some good times, some good I laughs. I wonder if it's the Apple TV. A lot of people are saying that on the consoles, the WWE app has not been working well. Up until recently, the PlayStation was fine. Since they've upgraded the app, which was about a week or two ago, uh, I heard a lot of complaints for... There was something else people were complaining about. I think it might have been one of the... Uh, oh, the uh, NXT TakeOver, which was very good. Oh, that was awesome. Uh, I enjoyed it. I, I think the last match should have been a little shorter than it was. Yeah, or just the third fall could have been the whole match. Yeah, yep, I agree with that a thousand percent. Because it took. It was like it, it killed the entire momentum of the pay-per-view. If you're thinking of watching SummerSlam, I think you should watch everything. Skip the Randy orton Kobe match. Just as it was about to get good, it kind of just... Cl- petered out uh everything else though is really really good i even heard some of the uh pre-show matches were were, were great uh the cruiserweight match as did i and uh i what there was also one other match there that i was actually shocked about i'm blanking on it right now but i i was surprised with the charlotte trish stratus match i mean as charlotte far as, put in a lot of work charlotte put in a lot of work but trish also didn't like shit the bed either no she showed up it was great i think it's tough for someone of trish's size to literally be able to fight someone of Charlotte's size. 
who's at the top of her game. At the top of her game, but also twice her height. Yes. And and I a lot of times you could tell Charlotte was putting her in the moves, executing the moves for Trish, but Trish never hesitated or looked weird. Um, yeah, she, she went for it. And if you have to watch, you know, if there's a match you want to watch, I would do, recommend the Trish and Charlotte. And, and Seth versus... Brock, I can't believe I'm saying it. it was a very good Brock Lesnar match. One of his best. He didn't fall 20 minutes. Anybody who left early and didn't want to see Brock missed out because that actually was a barn burner. Probably the only time it'll ever happen. Sucks to be you. Uh, what is your tour for the going forward, Hambone? Are you uh, you're, you're in Detroit this week? And then two weeks from now, I'm in Nebraska. Yeah, and the week you're in Nebraska, I'm going to be in Chicago. So do not, there will be no uh, Mai Tai Happy Hour the last week of the month. Then things should start to calm down a little bit for both of us. So expect a punk rock cannon next week. I'm still trying to figure out what exactly we do. It might be no effects. It might be. Yeah. It might be no effects. I don't think we've done no effects yet. I am highly considering it's time. doing punk and drublick and, uh, or, or white trash. Two heaps of bean. Let us know in the comments if you think we should pick one or over the other. Meanwhile, Hambone, how can the kids reach you? You can find me on Twitter at Hambreaker. I tweet about professional wrestling. I tweet about cute animals. I tweet about Dungeons and Dragons. You can also check out my daily adventures on Instagram at John Hambone McGuire. We're actually leaving the house these days and mostly spending time in Detroit. <laughs> Where can people find you, George? People can find me at GLK Creative on Instagram. I started posting some more rock and roll photos. I need a Sunday to get them. It's not easy to just find photos when you have an archive of 25 years of stuff. So I need a little time. And with Gabe and the travel schedule, it's been rough. We're back on the wagon, posting on Instagram, uh, at GLK Creative on Twitter, where I'm largely famous for uh, posting speed tests in various 5G cities. Hey, man, over is over. I, I mean, I guess. And luckily, people who like speed tests also like my Thai happy hour. So it works out very well because our numbers have been spiking. Everybody wins. And we appreciate that. You can reach me at cultofgeorge.com. Our archive is at mytitv.com. Definitely check out the old episodes. Our YouTube channel, lots of love there, especially for your from your friends, the My Chemical Romance fans. I mean, they they subscribe and they don't go away with all the Montai Happy Hours. I figured, oh, uh, they don't want to watch this shit. No, they seem to enjoy you. We love you it's guys. It's all you. And uh, finally, uh, rate, review, and subscribe. Yes. Every single thing helps us out. We need this to be the number one geek culture podcast in the world. Four weirdos, do us right, love us, send us a comment, but also rate, review, and subscribe on Android, Play Store, Apple Store, all the stores, Spotify. We got a lot of people on Spotify. It's weird. I, That's awesome. I checked that, those stats for the first time in ages, and it's like, oh, there's a lot of people who listen to us on Spotify. Total win. We don't care where you come from. Just do it. We love you. Ambo and take us out. Everybody remember, be nice. Aloha. И теперь я уже поиначе На судьбу твою горько гляжу Так за что же мне участь такая А кто под